Yeah, Father, I want to thank you that you just anoint Dave now, Lord. Just come and speak through him. Holy Spirit, we pray that he would just fade into the background and that you would just manifest yourself so powerfully this morning. Would you just come and continue to work in and through our hearts? Just come and minister to us now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. All right. So as Sean said, my name is Dave. I am married to Kina, and we have two children, Liam and Kieran, who are with us today. And yeah, we're very excited to be with you. Thank you for having us. Um, I've been in Josh Den for about 16 years. Um, Kina, even before Andrew Selly. So it's been a while. And as uh, Sean was welcoming the visitors, I was thinking back on my first visit to Josh Den ever. And I can say it was an interesting one. Um, I did like Kino at the time, so I was there to f like find God and find new church, but also to get to know her a bit better, if I'm honest. And I remember sitting and looking around in Sunningdale with the church venue and thinking, oh, this is a lovely venue, I could get used to this, and look, look at all these lovely people. And at that first meeting, um, Andrew caught up Ryan Kingsley, who's going to come at the end, of the end of the year, and said he is going out to plant City Bowl, and who's going to go with him? And I felt in that moment God saying, you're going. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, so much this did look like a nice church and a nice bunch of people, and off we go. And that first meeting, so many people came up to me at the end of the meeting and said, hey, you're new. Um, I want to invite you around to my place now. We're having a braai or having a roast. Do you want to come join us that Sunday? Or someone else said, I'm going to a movie this week. Do you want to come? I think my whole week got filled up with people inviting me from that first Sunday morning. And that was something that just really stuck with me. And I felt God saying to, God saying to me, this is a church that is going to take you places but it's also a church that's going to be family, and it's going to build you in. And that's something I feel for you guys as I've come in this morning. It feels like you guys are a real family to those, and you receive people well and build them into family. But it also feels like you're a church where God's going to take you places. And that's what I want to share on this morning is how we are built into family and how we build. Before we get there, though, there is something you need to know about me. It's a bit of a confession, so I'm going to say it up front. I love Lego. I've loved it my whole life, even since I was a boy. It is a weakness of mine when I took the kids Christmas shopping in December and we're looking at the toy store and I was saying, wouldn't you like this Lego set or wouldn't you like to build this Lego set? In my heart, I was thinking, I would like to build that Lego set. And I did. <laughs> in fact, it's been such a theme in our lives that when Keenan was praying for a word from God um, about our relationship, one of her friends came up and said, I have a picture for you. And I saw all these pieces of Lego scattered around. And you don't see it now, but everything is there in position for a relationship, uh, for a successful relationship. And God is going to take each piece and he's going to build this. And in many years, you're going to see this amazing relationship, but you don't see it at the moment. You have to trust him in this place. And Keen was very excited. She was very settled by that word. I was excited because they had Lego in it. But it was such a truthful and powerful word for us. And I feel that for you guys for this morning. And that's what I've been wanting to speak into. Is it feels like God has put... Every single one of you here, and you may have come in scattered pieces, and you may not wait, know where you fit or where you belong, but there's all the potential and the gifting and the life that each one of you carry to be built into this amazing church body. And in three months, six months' time, you're going to see the building of what God has done, and it's going to be amazing and powerful. And so if you're wondering, where do I fit in? How do I fit in? Just trust God in the process. I know he's going to build you into the body. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5, says the following. It's talking about the living stone and the chosen people. And says, as you come to him, meaning Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. 
And that's what I feel today. Each one of us is being built as living stones into the spiritual house. And I want to look today at how do we build? How do we build his kingdom and how are we built into his kingdom? And so the title of my message is Building God's Church. And I don't know, whenever there's a building project, I don't know how you guys experienced it. Has anyone done a renovation recently or a building project recently? It is challenging, I can tell you. First of all, if there's any electrical conduit in the wall, the plumber will definitely hit that cable. Or if there's a water pipe, the electrician is going to find it. And whenever a building project starts, there's a stripping away. There's a tearing up of the carpets and pulling away the drywall to expose the old, to get rid of the old stuff so you can come in and lay new foundations and new items. And I feel in your church what God's been doing is it feels like he's been stripping away the old. He's been exposing things, and it's a good thing. Because as that's exposed and as that's dealt with and ripped out, this new structure can come. And it feels like he's laying a new foundation, and I'm excited for the building process that he's taking you on. And so I want to look at the story of Nehemiah this morning. And um, the building project he went on, it was a major project. Uh, he went to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. And I know in the word we often see walls being taken down. And there is, in our culture, the sense of don't build up walls. But in this case, it's a healthy thing. It's not like um, the city of Jericho where the walls came crashing down. In this case, the walls were built up. And so looking at Nehemiah, the background, Nehemiah was based in the city of Susa, which is in Persia. And it was about 1,400 kilometers from Jerusalem. And he was born of Jewish parents. And they were exiles there, and he was um, the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. And <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had gone and destroyed Jerusalem completely. And so Nehemiah was living there in Susa, and he got word from his brothers. And this is what they said to him in Nehemiah 1, verse 3 to 4. This is the brothers saying to Nehemiah, Those who survived the exile and are back, exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And this is quite an amazing response from Nehemiah for a city that's as far as Joburg from us. When he heard about the state of the ruins of the city, this is 140 years after being destroyed. This is how Jerusalem still was. He wept and he fasted. I mean, I can imagine if I get home and there's a car-sized hole in my wall, I probably wouldn't be too happy. Or if something else had happened, I'd probably be a bit upset but would my heart be broken for it? Imagine you came to your building the one day and someone taking a wrecking ball and just smashed out one of your walls. It would break our hearts. And I want to encourage us this morning, is our heart broken for God's church, for his kingdom? Are we passionate about it? You can see nearby I was, and this is the starting point of his journey. And so he prayed about it, and he asked God for faith. He asked God for forgiveness where his people had sinned, and he asked God for favor with his boss. And as I said, it ends by saying, I was the cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer is a very important and trusted position. He was the last point of contact with any food or drink that went to the king. And so if anything was wrong with that food or drink, he would hopefully, or not hopefully, but suffer the consequences of it. And the king would see, okay, that was poisoned, etc. And so he goes to his king, Artaxerxes, and he says the following. The king says to him, so why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. And there's no wonder he was fearful. If you approached the king in the wrong manner back in the days, you could often be killed just for that. 
and you didn't want to un uh, upset the king. And this is kind of how I felt sometimes asking for leave for my boss when I wanted to go on an outreach or 412 or that type of thing. I was very nervous and worried about what he was to say. I didn't want to say it's for a church thing, so I was tempted to say no to something else. But over time, I found favor with him. And nowadays, when I go and say, can I have leave in September, he'll say, is that for that conference you go to in church? Take it. We'll take care of everything. It's all sorted. And so there's something about finding favor with your earthly bosses that will break open um, being able to run into his kingdom. And so he goes and asks Artaxerxes, and obviously if your cupbearer comes to you looking a bit upset and distressed, your first thought is, was it the wine? Is everything okay? But it points to the relationship he had with Nehemiah, that he could see you're sad. What's going on? I release you to go. And he asked, and we need to ask, God, what do you want to use us for? How can we go and be used and not be fearful in that? And so he released him, and he went off to inspect the walls. As I said, it was 1,400 kilometers away from Jerusalem, and it took him three to four months to travel there by foot. At least there wasn't any traffic, but it's still a long time to go. And Jerusalem, just a bit of uh, trivia on that, Jerusalem, it wasn't the first time being destroyed. It had been destroyed twice before, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. And so that was a city that was right under fire. And so you could see his heart for it. And so he travels there to, to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, Nehemiah 2, verse 17 to 18, he gathers the people and he says to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this great work. And I love this example of leadership from Nehemiah. He doesn't get there and say, I'm the man, I'm going to take care of this, this is the plan, this is what we're going to do. He gathers the people together and says, we're going to do this as a team. We're going to build the city walls together as a team. And they start to do it. And the problem with that is every time God wants to do something in us and take us forward, there's always resistance to that. And we see there's no difference here. In the next verse, we see the resistance coming. And it says, When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Jeshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And Nehemiah came and said, It's not me rebelling against the king. It's you guys rebelling against what God is doing. And it's interesting that Jeshem, the last one mentioned, he had a profitable spice route and trade that was running. And he had, when the walls were all broken down, he found the most efficient path through Jerusalem, and he had his spice route running straight through the city. And when the walls were going to be built up, he would have to find a different route, which would make it less profitable. And so therefore, he was resistant to that change coming. And so we need to be watching for selfish ambition in our own hearts that wants to come against what God is doing. And so they resisted him. And so then they set about rebuilding the walls. And Nehemiah got over... 40 different families to rebuild all the sections of the walls. And I won't go through all of them now because we'll be here till tomorrow. But it's amazing as each part of the family built a section of the wall. And the idea was, if this was your house and this section of the wall was in front of you that was broken down, you as a family would get together and build that section of the wall. And each family started building different sections of the wall together. And I love that picture of team and of family. If we all sit back and say, you know, Sean and Chantel or Rian and Esther, you guys go build the wall. We're going to sit back and relax when the enemy attacks and your section of the wall hasn't been rebuilt, where do you think he's coming? Whose house do you think he's going to come to? And that's why it's important we all do it together and we all re rebuild sections together. Proverbs 24 verse 27 says, Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. 
and after that, build your house. And so God's calling us to build. And this morning I want to ask us, what is he calling you to build to? What sections of the wall need to be rebuilt in your lives? Ask Sean, come available and say, we want to help. We want to build his kingdom. And so the walls started to get rebuilt, uh, rebuilt, and as they went up to probably about waist height, there was further resistance. Nehemiah 4 verse 7, When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they became very angry. Uh, next verse. <clears throat> and when they heard that we were aware of the plot and got frustrated, we all returned to the war, each to his own work. And from that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. And the officers posted themselves behind all the people. And I wanted to say that in our lives, there are going to be times where we want to build, but there are also times where we need to fight. And there's a sense of doing both as we go. And I, I was tested on this, the background to this word. I was having a terrible week. It was really, it was horrendous. I had a work day down for Friday. I remember it was Thursday night, about 1 a.m., and I decided to throw myself a real pity party. And I was saying, God, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this. It's eldership, and it's church, and it's work, and it's kids, and it's all these things. And I was thinking, I don't know how I'm even going to get through this. And I remember in that moment, God came, and he just settled me. And he said, I've got this. I'm with you. And I just found this faith again. And Luke had asked me to lead on that Sunday. And I'm like, I'm not going to have time to prepare much before leading until the weekend. But I'm going to really just trust God on this. Friday came, and our deadline um, was reached easily. And God's hand was just on it. And then I was feeling better. I was feeling, okay, I can lead Sunday morning. And I remember Sunday morning about 7 a.m. As I was preparing, Luke phones me and says, the visiting preacher who's going to come has got food poisoning. And he's not going to be able to make it. Can you preach this morning? And my first thought was, no ways. <laughs> and I felt God saying, you're preaching. Sorry. And so I had about half an hour to prepare a message. And I had to just battle the, the doubts and everything else that came in. And God said, I'm with you. And he was there, and it was an amazing time, and people responded. And I wanted to encourage all of us, there's an opportunity to fight and build God's kingdom at the same time, exactly as Sean was saying. And I want to encourage this morning, we can do that. We have to trust him. Maybe you're fighting against um, any types of things in your life that are going wrong, and that's not going to distract you from building his kingdom. I actually wanted to ask, Yaku, you shared a message, a word in the prayer meeting. Don't you want to just come share that about the ball and finding life in the ball? <laughs> This was just a word that suddenly struck me about this is how our lives can look. And we mustn't get discouraged or disheartened in the process. Hi. Okay, so the, um, in the prayer meeting, the, the image that, that I received was us as individuals are in a, a ball. And a, life is this ball. And it's just rolling. And as it's rolling, we are up and down and bouncing around it. But reaching out to God... He will help us up straight. So you are running in the ball instead of bouncing up and down and getting bruised and hurt. Um, so reach out, grab God, and he will support you in that. Because life's not going to change. Life is life. You're not going to change that. But with God, it can be better. Thanks so much. And so that's the sense that I had. I felt like I'm going to trip up. I'm going to fall in this ball. I'm going to get knocked and bruised. And actually, God was with me. And he's with each one of us as we do that. 
And there's something on resistance. When God is doing something and we want to complain or we want to resist it, it's like God wanting to bring, it's like the enemy wanting to bring division in. And I was reminded of a story about um, World War I when the Allies were fighting against the Germans. And it was Christmas Eve. And there's something called the Christmas truce that, hap- truce that happened. And the, uh, some of the German soldiers started putting candles on their trenches. And one of the Allies started singing a Christmas carol. And these are young men who are far from home, fighting a war they don't want to fight. They'd rather be home with their families on this time. And there was just this peace that came. And there's even a story that they played soccer together. And for a moment, there was just this beautiful peace in the midst of war. And that's what God has for us as a, as a vision of peace. He doesn't want us fighting amongst ourselves. He wants us working together and creating peace in the city so we can build together. And then after the war was rebuilt and all the doors were put in place, over 42,000 people came back to the city. And there was a sense of life and there was a sense of joy. And um, Nehemiah came and he sorted out the finances and he sorted out all the internal politics and gave everything sorted. And they had one massive feast. Uh, it says in verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we know that verse well. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But it shows after we have fought and after we have built into his kingdom, then the joy comes. And I love this picture. That's one massive bring and share, 42,000 people. And everyone got together to celebrate what God had done. And what I love about this is this all started with Nehemiah's broken heart for the church, with his passion for what God wanted to do in him. And he fought and he resisted. And they built the church together, and it ended up with 42,000 people coming back into the city and celebrating and worshiping God, and the temple had been rebuilt. And this whole process only took 52 days for them to do. And when we put our hearts towards and our minds toward what God wants to do in us, he can achieve miraculous things in a short amount of time. Romans 8, verse 28 says, For those who love God, all things work together for good for those that accord according to his purpose. And so I want to say today, it's important that we know what God's purpose is for us. Maybe you've come here this morning and you feel like you are just fighting on every single front and there's never a break. And now you're wondering, how how on earth am I going to find time to build into God's kingdom? Or you feel, I've been building and I've been building, I just don't have time to take on what the enemy is throwing at me. And this morning God wants to train us and equip us and release us into those things and protect us from that. And so maybe the worship team can come up again. And I just, wanted, I just wanted to pray for us, just for that anointing, to be able to fight and to be able to build. So let's close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yeah, Lord, we, we come here before you just broken vessels, And we want to say that we are available for you to use us, Lord. That we're open to what you want to do in our lives, God. And maybe you've come here this morning and you've heard stories of how God spoke to Nehemiah and the relationship Nehemiah had with the Lord, but you've never experienced that for yourself. And I want to say this morning that God wants to reach out to you, that he wants to encounter you and build you into his family. And we were once separated from him through Adam's original sin. And today he's saying, I want to come and I want to store to you that relationship. 
And so if you've come and you've never encountered Jesus before, you've never given your heart to the Lord, he's saying today, I want to build you into family. And so if that is you, you've never responded to the Lord before and you're saying, Lord, I want to accept your invitation to be with you in eternity. Won't you do me a favor while every eye is closed and every head is bowed and just lift your hands so I can see and we can pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thanks for the hand. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Is there anyone else? We don't want to rush this. Just for that person, let's just all pray together. Let's just all respond and say the following prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for me to be with you for eternity. I'm sorry for where I've sinned against you. And I repent and turn from those things. I freely accept your gift of grace. And I'm excited to be built into your body.